for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 341 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Winton. Buddy, 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 how you been? What you been up to? What's going on? You know. I nothing. Nothing that I can... I got to I got to spend the morning with Liam. We went and did some cool stuff. I had like a dad, dad-son morning. Nice. And then uh, before he went to school. I wanted to take him to the mall in the arcade, but none of that opened until 10 o'clock, so... We were out and about a little earlier than that, so I took him to Walmart, and we just, like, looked at every toy in the toy aisle, and just kind of cruised, we looked at every video game. A little window had. shopping. Yep. And then I took him to the one game exchange place in town, the place that has, that buys all your old school games, mm -hmm. or movies, or comics, you know, and uh, that was really amazing for him, you know, to see you know, old video games and old controllers and box full of Nerf guns and it's, Tamagotchis and crazy stuff. Is it just called the Game Exchange? It's called Game Exchange, yeah. Game Exchange, yeah. I think they have one of those. There might be one here. If not, I know there's one like an hour from here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, what he and wanted was Cuphead toys. He said, I want Cuphead toys, Cuphead toys. And I was like... You know they don't they don't really make Cuphead toys. And the guy behind the counter was like, "I had some Funkos, but I sent them to the Memphis store." I was like, "Well, I wish you would have kept that to yourself. Thank you very much." <laughs> Has he played Cuphead? Yeah, he's played Cuphead. Oof, that Cuphead game is, is his new obsession. Yeah, I've had to help him beat <clears throat> the first set of bosses, and now we're on the second set of bosses, and it's damn near impossible. Yeah, that game is tough. I, I, has he seen the cartoon? Because I know Netflix put a Cuphead cartoon up. Yeah, that's kind of what sparked it all. He used to watch <laughs> Cuphead. Um, there used to be this show on Disney XD called Player Select, mm -hmm. and it was just a handful of popular YouTubers. Right, uh, and streamers. Streamers, yeah. Um, and they would play different games, and Cuphead was one of the games they would play. I gotcha. So he had seen it then, but when the when the show came on Netflix, he was like, "Gotta play Cuphead. Gotta play. It. I want to play it. We play it. We gotta play it. We download it. You we know, go to the game store and get it." 
Cup. And I was just like, look, this is your new obsession. I know how bad this is about to be. Just chill out. Just It's fine. This game is hard. Like, I know you don't understand, but this game's hard on purpose. Yeah. I, you know, Cuphead is an interesting game in a lot of ways because it was one of those games that I can't remember the exact timeline, but they showed off and everybody freaked out about because it, it looked so cool and had such a cool art style and yeah stuff like that it has sparked some conversation about your soul and the devil and like i was like oh god and um, not intended to talk about all this shit right now but we'll we'll talk about it and um then it took like quite a while to actually come out after they first showed it off and oh really yeah it's hard it is a hard fucking game i've not beat cut beat Uh, that's not a game i've been able to beat is uh cuphead I feel like uh, it's going to help me get better at Elden Ring. Uh, yeah, but talk about two different hard games, huh? Right? Yeah. If I can, uh, if I can, like, read the bosses. It's all about reading the patterns. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a pattern. Yep. You're 100% right about both of those games in that regard. <laughs> so, um, we're right on. My buddy Liam has got a, a new obsession, and it's Cuphead. <laughs> Who knows what it'll man. be next? Who knows, man? One day, Who knows? one day it'll circle around and it'll be Star Wars. He was trying to ask me to buy him Mario sixty four and a Nintendo sixty four. I was like, kid, you got to grow up and mow some yards when before we get into buying vintage games. I'm not doing that. Like, <laughs> I was looking in there and and like fucking Paper Mario was like eighty bucks. And yep. Legend of Zelda cartridge was like a hundred and something. I was like, geez, yep. guys. Man, uh, game. I'm pretty co- sure I got some of these things kicking around. Game collecting, just like anything, not just games, but action figures or tool posters or whatever it may be, all of that stuff, comics, everything has shot up crazy you amounts know, I, over the last I, couple of years. Oh, you know, I had thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll sack up and get the kid like a Game Boy, right? I could get him like an old school Game Boy. Like, no, dude, no, 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 no. That shit is so expensive. Um, so for Mario sixty four, he can play that on his Switch. Yeah, that's what I was trying to tell him there, and I think it's in a, a it's like, it's a game I think called like Mario All Star three D All Stars. Yeah, that has that in there. I, I believe it's got. Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy? Galaxy. Galaxy. Yeah. Mario Galaxy, the space one. That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that would be the easier alternative than getting a Nintendo 64 and trying to figure out how to hook that up to your modern TV. Right, and right. And, I'm like, like, you know, I, uh, I have a Nintendo 64 somewhere. Yeah. It, I, I mean, John Luke might have it, but, like... I think I have it. I know I have an original PlayStation, like a PlayStation Slim, mm-hmm. like one of the last kind of PlayStations they came out with. Um, or was it a PS2 Slim? I don't know. PS2 Slim. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But that'll play original PlayStation games. Yeah, yeah. I've and got that's a PlayStation 2 Slim. It. And, uh, <clears throat> man. Old school gaming. I just, don't know where my NES and all those games were. I had quite the collection. Just uh, just pray that one day Liam doesn't get to the point where he's like, I want to collect Sega Saturn games because that shit <laughs> is very expensive. You're talking 
like for some of the big hitters, like 800 bucks a pop and shit. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's real expensive. <clears throat> so, um, we've got a couple of things to talk about this week. Not the busiest week in Star Wars. But what happened, like the stuff that there is to talk about is pretty cool, I think. Pretty cool stuff. Um, before we jump into that, though. What you guys should do is follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And if you'd like to support our podcast, keep us going strong, equipment upgrades sounding crystal clear and all those good things, um, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You go, you sign up for as little as $3 a month, and you get access to so many bonus podcasts what kind of bonus podcast you might be wondering um well there's jaws with me and jesse there's cooking with will there's oh no it's hall solo there is star wars year by podcast with our buddy steel there's masters of harvest Cossie with our friend king tom where we talk about star wars video games there's blue harvest adventures there's immediate reactions to episodes of the mandalorian Book of Boba Fett and the Bad Batch. That will be continuing throughout this year as we get all kinds of Star Wars content. And our latest release on the Blue Harvest Patreon is a brand new episode of Podula Rasa with our friend Emily Lind where we are talking about a couple of Batman movies. So go check it out. Batman movies. Uh, Check it out once again patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast and a giant big sloppy shout out to all our patrons you guys are the best mm-hmm. sloppy shout out oh, that ain't sound like a shout out my dude <laughs> sounded sloppy that is quite a higher tier on patron patreon we're gonna have to make a new tier for that that is up for negotiation did you like blue harvest patreon you'll love blue harvest patreon premium aggressive negotiations aggressive negotiations. <laughs> negotiations with a lightsaber um so buddy um you know one of my favorite things that has been a feature of star wars live action tv on disney plus is they were sort of constantly getting surprised by um, different actors that you might be familiar with showing up in, you know, sort of bit roles, like interesting little character roles. You you know, you have Amy Sedaris, who, I mean, you can't even call that a bit role at this point. She's all over both seasons of The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. You have mm-hmm. Danny Trejo. You have... Um, the boss from the IT crowd being the voice of one of the droids. You have Bill Burr. You have, you know, so on and so forth, right? Right. Well, the Hollywood Reporter has word on someone who is going to be doing a similar thing in Mandalorian Season 3. And this one is pretty exciting because he is uh, one of the main parts of one of my favorite film franchises and that is christopher lloyd from back to the future oh cool yeah <clears throat> i did not think about i you know i just think about he would be perfect 
Like Christopher Lloyd's a good actor, good character actor. He is. He definitely is. Um, I love me some Doc Brown. I love me some Back to the Future. So yeah, I'm I'm stoked to see who he'll be playing in the Mandalorian season three. Um, I, wasn't he in Taxi back in the day? Yes. Dude, that's a long time ago. You want to talk about some late Him and nights? Danny DeVito. Some late nights uh, hanging out as a kid, uh, watching Nick at night. Yeah. That's some yep. taxi time right there. You better believe. Uh, definitely. Andy Kaufman. Been watching some taxi or have seen plenty of taxi. Has been, It's been a little while. It's interesting that you bring up taxi because one of the Batman movies that uh, we talked about on Podula Rasa was Batman Returns. And so mm. I was just watching, you know, I was watching some videos about the making of it and behind the scenes stuff. And I came across um, uh, one of those <clears throat> YouTube videos where they have like an actor sitting there discussing their biggest roles, you know, in like mm-hmm. a short little 15, 20 minute video. And this one was for Danny DeVito and uh, him talking about Taxi. Like you want to talk about an immediate flashback to like <laughs> falling asleep on the couch in my parents' living room, watching Nick at night. Later, yeah, night. absolutely. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, you know, Hollywood Reporter doesn't have a lot of information on the role he'll be playing or anything like that, other than it's like you know a guest starring role. So probably a one episode type thing. Well, I got to tell you, I love Amy Sedaris's character so damn much. I hope he sticks around more than just an episode. I mean, obviously I think it'll be very, very possible. Um, a lot of these, these, uh, characters that show up in an episode just keep coming back. And I really, I mean, like I dig it. Like obviously Amy Sedaris is uh, a lot of fun in the star Wars show. So yeah, I, Imagine we'll be seeing more of her, and hopefully, yeah, people really dig um, Christopher Lloyd, and he uh, his character shows back up. I don't know what uh, it's one of those things where I can't even venture to imagine what kind of role he's going to play in the Mandalorian, right? Like, without there being any sort of indication. It's kind of useless to just sit here and speculate, I guess. Right. I guess I don't have it in me to do the cock duty speculating currently. Um, I thought this was interesting. Like, you know, there's certain things that happen like in dry periods of Star Wars information where I kind of feel like in, on any other day or any other week, Like, if this happened, people wouldn't be, like, uh, so interested in it, necessarily. But one of the things that happened was on Disney+, Plus, they updated the synopsis for the Kenobi series. Oh, Uh, really? Yeah, and this is what it says. During the reign of the Galactic Empire, former Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi embarks on a crucial mission. Kenobi must confront allies turned enemies and face the wrath of the Empire. Right? Now, that line, Kenobi must face, must confront allies turned enemies and face the wrath of the Empire, that allies turned enemies thing 
I saw is like that aimed at Vader. Yes, th- that's what I'm getting around to. Is I'm pretty I'm sure. sure I didn't mean to jump that. No, no, it's totally fine. You you came to what I feel is the most logical conclusion, but for a brief moment, right, it did seem to inspire some discussion of like, ooh, who could they be talking about? And when to yeah. me, it's kind of obvious that that's referring to Vader. I mean, that it seems it's like hinting without pointing, like bird dogging, like um, right. Um, unless they, you know, unless that young, force sensitive girl knew Obi Wan, you know, but pre Fall Order sixty six, but she doesn't seem old enough for that. Oh, the Inquisitor. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be. There could be some backstory there, right? Where, um, if you say they knew each other before, you know, there's clearly, you know, I, I guess picked up Jedi. The Inquisitors used to be Jedi, so they must all know Master Obi Wan Kenobi. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point because, like, yeah, I mean, she's not Obi Wan's age, but she's also not young enough to where she wouldn't have been around nine years previous right like she's right right. she would have been a young padawan yeah a teenager probably right right um yeah yeah i mean i guess that like i you know if you want to to venture into the realm of some cock-a-duty speculating which we do here quite often here we sure as fuck do um if you want to venture into that realm i don't think that's the worst speculating to do is that maybe um they have some previous at least knowledge of each other or something you know because if you want to get specific about it any jedi that was you know in in the temple is a former ally of obi-wan kenobi right right well speaking of vader um entertainment weekly uh today put out another article talking about vader's involvement in um that's just what seems most likely to me yeah yeah i mean that just seems i don't there's no reason to contort it into something that it's not yeah i don't suspect that there's going to be some surprise heel turn for an established character in this series a magic daughter of satine yeah i wouldn't even like that's not like even uh would you really even count them as a former ally? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, I mean, no, and not someone that could turn on him. Yeah. Um, and you know, they were basically talking in this EW article about the process of deciding to bring Vader into this series. <clears throat> and like, uh, reading it, like really made me, um, feel a little more confident in the concept not that you know it's that's good it it took a little while for me to get there because you know you can go back and listen to plenty of episodes of this podcast where will and i are talking about like i don't know man i don't really know that obi-wan needs to meet vader in between episode three and four um we definitely said that and so you know it took some convincing <clears throat> to get me cool with the concept, just like it took me some con- some convincing to get me cool with the concept of Obi Wan leaving Tatooine in this time period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, basically, uh, they talked to Kathleen Kennedy, 
and Deborah Chow in this uh, article, and they kind of stressed that like it wasn't a decision that they made lightly, that there was a lot of discussion, and that they wanted to approach it more from like a character and character interaction standpoint as opposed to like a we should just put vader in here because vader's fucking cool and we can do cool shit from vader even though like you know you have to imagine that also plays a part in it yeah you would think yeah um so you know looking forward to it i have a feeling um well, they'll probably do some pretty cool shit with Vader if I had to guess. You need to. <clears throat> yeah. Now's um, the time. So one other thing I wanted to talk about this week before we hear from our friends. Like, by the way, you guys really fucking came through with the voicemails and emails this week. Thank you so much. Um, so we'll be getting to those in just a second. But I don't know if you remember when we talked about it few months ago i feel like it was uh they announced that they were doing some new star wars books as is pretty common but one of them that stuck out to me that i was really excited for was one called star wars shadow of the sith and that is the book that takes place in between episode uh, return of the jedi and the force awakens and it deals with luke and lando looking for Ochi of Bestoon and Exegol and all that stuff. You know, there's the line in Rise of Skywalker where Lando mentions that he and Luke were looking for Exegol and chasing down Ochi and stuff. Right. So, it's always a story I've been interested in knowing about. And <clears throat> we're getting a book um, sometime this year. And it's written by an author by the name of Adam Christopher. Now, I want to give a shout out to our buddy Rick Villanueva because he dropped some hardcore facts on me today uh, when we were talking about this book. Adam Christopher was originally hired to write an original Mandalorian novel. Interesting. Um, a novel featuring Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, but not like an adaptation of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And that book ended up getting canceled, along with a lot of other Mandalorian tie-in books. And it seems like all that stuff got canceled when they decided to expand the Mandalorian into what it's becoming, this big connected universe with multiple shows and stuff right Mm -hmm. but luckily this guy i guess then got the job to write this book um and he's written some like stranger things um related novels and uh, i think he's even done maybe an issue or two of star wars adventures the comics um and what happened today is they released an excerpt from the book and it is a juicy. It's pretty good. To the point really? where if like if this is what they're given they're showing in like the preview, you know there's gonna be some pretty crazy shit in the final product. Um mm-hmm. now, look, if you're someone that didn't like the Rise of Skywalker, that's cool. I don't think this is gonna do anything to fix that for you. But if you like the Rise of Skywalker or, you know, 
tolerate the rise of Skywalker or any of the elements, you know, the sort of unexplained elements about the Sith Eternal or Exegol or, like I said, Luke and Lando's adventure together. <clears throat> if any of that interests you, then I think this book is going to be uh, pretty fucking cool, right? It sounds pretty informative about an era where we have very little. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> so, um, first off in this excerpt, um, Luke vis has visited the seeing stone on Tython, you know, the stone that they pr place little Grogu on where he calls out mm -hmm. to the Jedi. And then, you know, obviously Luke eventually answers that call. I think we like, in a way, I think this might give us some insight into that even like, well, yeah, Luke would hear that call because he's got experience going to this place and <clears throat> he uses it. And it, it's either a vision or I, whatever it is. Somehow he's transported to Exegol. And it's, oh, I wow. think it's clearly a vision, right? Yeah. Because of what transpires. But he shows up and then there's like these nine, <clears throat> almost like Sith wraiths that uh, attack him. Like they have okay. lightsabers and he's defending himself. and Crazy. All of a sudden... Um, a being like made of blue light shows up and saves the day. And Luke initially just sees him from behind and thinks it's Ben. It thinks it's Obi-Wan at first. Cause he can just tell like, Oh, it's a, it's a Jedi in a robe with a hood, the hoods up and they've got a blue lightsaber. But when the figure turns around, it's Anakin. Oh, wow. So like, just that teaser of getting some Luke and Force Ghost Anakin stuff potentially. Whoa, that's got me interested. Juicy. <clears throat> and also gotta say, for a character that you see for like five fucking seconds, but they talk about a whole lot in Rise of Skywalker, Ochi of Bestoon, mm -hmm. they've been developing that character quite a bit in the comics. Um, you know, I read up um on a lot of the, well, all of the War of the Bounty Hunter stuff um, to for our buddy Sal, his podcast, the Rogue Rebels podcast. And Ochi in the comics is fucking cool, man. He's like a smartass. Really? Yeah. Like oh, he's really? like a shit-talking smartass. He's, um, I think our buddy King Tom, I heard him describe it once as in like, in, in some scenes, he's almost like Vader's hype man and stuff it's real okay. entertaining i find it real entertaining what they're doing with that character in the comics and it sounds hard to imagine but it sounds fun it is fun that's what it is it's fun like because it would be real easy you've got this sith assassin character right and he's doing shit for emperor palpatine he's hanging out with vader it'd be real easy to make him like an edgelord <laughs> Sith mm -hmm. edgelord type character, but to make him more yeah. of like a smart ass and stuff. I think that's an interesting way to take it. So I hope we see more I of agree. his character and that sort of, um, uh, characterization of that character in this book. Um, I, uh, 
This is not related to Ochi, but I was thinking about Jimmy Schmidt, and I really wonder if he's going to be in the Obi-Wan thing. Uh, it would be cool if he was. I know that's out of left field, but... I don't... So I don't, I don't see, see... I hope he's in Obi-Wan and in Cassian. Um, like, yeah, yeah, right? And I don't think you have to include Leia just because, you know because Bale is in there. Like, you can. Like, I won't be opposed. Well, I mean, clearly they're already including a young Luke Skywalker, at least in... They've already done it, yeah. Yeah, we've seen him in the trailer, right? So, I wouldn't be surprised, but, like, I almost don't... I almost don't see a way that, like, Bale doesn't fit into the story. You know what I mean? He's the one person that knows where Obi-Wan is. That's true. That is true. So, uh, if I, some message or something is going to get to him, mm-hmm. it's got to come through Bale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bale sends Leia to. That's right. To to get the message to Obi Wan in A New Hope, right? That's right. So, yeah, I, I just don't see how he doesn't show up. <clears throat> but you know, um, that's about it. You know the. I know we don't talk about the books a whole lot on here. I mean, you know, I know I gave a real scattered brain book report that one time. Well, that yeah, you did, but uh, but uh, honestly though, that was very informative for me. I know to everybody else it seemed maybe uh, rushed and scattered, but it, I I followed you the whole way, and I followed you about Ochi. I kind of would like to see this animated or somehow. I want to see this character now. All of a sudden, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll get you a nice. Um... I'm sure they've done like a nice graphic novel collection, like collected version of War of the Bounty Hunters. If I see that, mm-hmm. I'll pick it up for you because you got to check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Or maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure I would. Because I know like, you know, I, I see a lot of people talking how mu- about how much they like Ochi in the comics, but also see people being like, yeah, that's not for me. So your results may vary. <laughs> you want to um, hear from some of our friends? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Kia D, Kia D, Kia D, Cockhead, the only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D, Cockhead, running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his hood. Kia D, Cockhead, to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Lou Herb, Cockhead, Hansberger, Cockhead, Will Witt, Cockhead, Goose Paint, Cockhead, G Money, Cockhead, King Tom, Cockhead, Joe, Cockhead, KD, Cockhead, Cockhead. Hey, if you want to send an email or a voicemail into the podcast, it is super easy. Blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. Be like these cool folks you're about to hear from. In fact, I think we got a couple of first-time writers even, which is always nice. Um, you know, 
what I cannot get out of my fucking head. So we talked about Batman Returns and Batman Forever, right? Mm -hmm. And ever since that, I cannot get that fucking Seal song out of my head. There's so much I meant to tell you. Oh, have you been singing it? You just been there playing it. There used to be a graying tower alone on the sea. You became the light on the dark side of me. Love remains the drug that's the high, not the pill. But did you know the woman snows? Yeah, stuck. I can't get it out of my head. And, you know, sometimes when you have a song. Baby. Oh, don't do it to me, Will. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. You know how sometimes when you have a song stuck in your head, you just got to get the poison out? No, <laughs> where, I know. Where you listen to the song. This. It hasn't helped. It's just made it get, <laughs> man, oh. fucking seal, man. That dude could have never written another song in his life, and his life has meaning and purpose with that <laughs> one song. And it's with not his only song. banger. Also, like, uh, uh, no one never gonna survive unless, unless we get a little crazy. Let's hear from King Tom and stop this well madness. Chosen. Seal. Hey there, Check him out. So I had a question I wanted to ask you guys last week, but it was one of those weeks where, like, I didn't know what day it was and everything got away from me. And it was about something you talked about, which is the news that Damon Lindelof is reportedly reportedly doing a Star Wars movie project. And, you know, just like you, Hawes, Lost is my favorite show, you know, one of my favorite or the my favorite, uh, you know, non-comedy show at least. And I think it's brilliant. And I absolutely, you know, I love this, the series. I love the ending. Uh, and I like Lindelof's style, uh, and his stuff. So I think that's a brilliant move for star Wars. My question for you is, you know, sometimes, um, artists, writers, they sometimes go back to the well, they reuse things. And if it works, I don't usually have a problem with that. So, is there are there any like plot devices or character moments or just story elements that you would want to see from Lost in a Damon Lindelof Star Wars project? I mean, we know that you know everyone in Star Wars, not everyone, but most of the characters in Star Wars have some sort of daddy issue. So that's probably going to be there. But there could also be things like flashbacks or time travels, smoke monsters. Mine would probably be, and this is this might be the easy apparent one, but like a shady underground organization of scientists, like the Dharma Initiative, but in the Star Wars galaxy, they're trying to develop a scientific understanding of how the Force works, or they're trying to you know make bring the Force to people through science. That's my idea. Um, kind of been touched off in the comics a little bit with that doctor who made vader and there's a little bit of touch of that with the um the current afro series but i think it could be explored in that medium too but i'm curious to see what what you you and will think of lost story elements or or anything from any of his other projects but just say lost is what i'm most familiar with anyway thanks for listening thanks for the great podcast i'll talk with you later thanks buddy 
King Tom took one of mine right from my hands because, like, obviously, uh, I think the Dharma Initiative stuff is pretty cool. Our dog's name was Dharma. Um, mm. But you know what I would like to maybe see? Um, I would like to see maybe <clears throat> the whole idea of the man of science versus the man of faith thing play out in star wars as related to the force right like um you know the whole john locke versus jack shepherd dynamic i think you could do something cool with that in star wars i feel like the mandalorian is playing with that concept when you talk about what they need grogu for the potency of the dark troopers there's something going on there kind of mysterious kind now, of you mean with the dharma initiative stuff Right. Like, no, I was talking about in the Mandalorian. I was talking about parallels. He was talking about you know, um, you know what what lost elements would you like to see in Star Wars? Is that kind of losty kind of things in Star? Is that what he was talking about? Yeah, like what like you know what elements from Lost would you like to see sort of reinterpreted and then show up in Star Wars? And he said like the Dharma Initiative thing with them doing experiments and stuff. And that's what I thought you were referencing, right? With that the, is, that, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Like I, I, I feel what I'm saying is that kind of already exists in the Mandalorian. I feel like that whole experimental because it is, you know, he was talking about, you know, messing with the force, like trying to figure out what the force is. I feel like, I don't know this, but I feel like that's kind of where that whole Grogu kind of does seem like that thing is headed. And then even like direction, even if you think about it, they had like that secret laboratory on Navarro. It was right. Kind of like an Imperial Dharma station. You're not wrong. Right, right, right. (laughs) That's where my brain keeps going. Uh, But elements of loss, like a dude, like the uh, hidden away button. You know, someone manning mm-hmm. a station that's keeping a system from imploding or something. Oh, that could be kind of cool. Like the oh, energy the builds up in its black hole or something. The energy builds up in its star or something, and they have to do that to release the energy, or the star will go supernova and destroy the planet or that the system. or like a supermassive black hole, like a Dyson sphere built around a supermassive black hole, and there's some sort of system keeping that in check as well. Um. Yeah, you know, the one I always go back to, like I said, because it was one of my favorite parts of Lost, is that whole idea of the man of science versus the man of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could do something really cool, really cool in Star Wars with that, if, if it was two Force users. Um, time travel, like, I think Lost mm. is one of the few times that time travel was done really well. Like, I love time travel, but it is so easy to mess up, and I, I was about to say would we rather... already have our lost time travel moment with the world between worlds. That's super lost. I would, um, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it kind of is because it's not time travel where you could change the past. It's time travel that allows what already happened to happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the whole conceit of lost is what happened happened. So, you know, all those characters that showed up in the 70s were always there it wasn't like mm-hmm. changing time or whatever um right. but yeah i um i would probably f- r- prefer for them to leave the time travel out um 
Now, obviously, I wouldn't want a direct recreation of the smoke monster, but can you imagine if there was like a Sith temple or something that was guarded by some sort of ancient vengeful artifact. spirit or artifact some, or something that kind yeah, of harkened some, back to the smoke monster in that way? Yeah, yeah, some sort of ancient technology that was both spiritual and technological at the same time. Yeah, like, you know, one of the popular um, popular theories for a while during Lost Heyday was that the smoke monster was like um, a cloud of nanobots. Oh, wow. So they could maybe even, that would fit better in Star Wars than in Lost. It really would. <clears throat> Man. One of the cool concepts of Lost is kind of like the wellspring of... I don't even know what that power is, but the the life. wellspring of the wellspring life, of life. That, e that exists on the island. Everybody has um, a little bit inside them, and everybody wants more. Life. Uh, that concept, if you could kind of transpose that into Star Wars, you kind of already have with the Mortis arc. The Mortis arc is kind of that place, yeah, you know, of the Force personified, um, kind of like that wellspring. Uh, so you kind of have done that already in Star Wars, but you could tweak it a little bit. That concept is neat and was neat when they did it. There's a there's a, been a few times where Star Wars has, you know, post-Lost, obviously, come kind of close to Lost territory. And man, it delights me. That's part of the reason I like Mortis so much is because of Lost. <laughs> mm -hmm. Because it reminds me of Lost in a lot of ways. <clears throat> All right, let's hear That's from... True. Who's our next voicemail? We'll, we'll, we'll get through the voicemails. Um, let's hear from Jim. He has some percentage questions for us. I always like these. Good evening, Halls and Will. How the hell are you? I have some percentage questions for you. Uh, I'll get right to it. Uh, what are the chances that you think this is going to be the most powerful Vader that we've ever seen. Uh, I'm going to say no. Uh, uh, most powerful Vader ever seen. No. Uh, 50, 50. I'm going to go a little higher than 50, 50, maybe even like, I might even just like do the price is right deal where I say like 51, 49 or 55, 45. And the only reason I say this is because if I were to be in charge of like, and clearly I don't know anything about the subject, so I'm not saying I do, but like if I was in charge of the fight choreography between Vader and Obi-Wan in this series, I would think a cool way to approach that would be to make both of them perform somewhere in between what we saw in the prequels and what we see in a new hope. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do that, then I don't know how you don't make Vader seem a little more powerful, you know, just by fact of like, you're not going full original trilogy mode and you're not going super flashy like 
the prequels, but here's what I'm saying or what my thinking is. I agree. Absolutely. You know, not as flashy as the clone wars and not as slow as a new hope and somewhere in between there would be perfect. But the thing is, Obi-Wan has to best him. And so if you're saying peak Vader, yeah. peak Vader would best Obi-Wan in my opinion, like, so I think I Pink Vader is probably the scene in Rogue One where they're getting away with a data tape at the very end. I feel like that's probably the most powerful Vader we've seen. I think we'll see him at least that powerful, if not a little bit more. And the the weird thing about it is, if that's Peak Vader, like three days later, he must have thrown out his his back or something in that hallway and in, in a new hope <laughs> or in, in rogue one. Cause it's pretty stiff. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, hear the next one. What are the chances that Obi-Wan fights Anakin? No Vader suit. Zero. Yeah. I know. Unless it's some kind of like uh dream some flashback or dream to Mustafar or something, you know? Or so, yeah. Some shared premonition. Yeah. What are the chances that Obi-Wan uses the Skywalker saber? Ooh. Interesting. Now I'm just gonna say zero, not because I don't think it's possible, but I say that because Obi-Wan's Episode three slash episode four saber is my favorite lightsaber hilt design. So I just want to see a lot of that in this series. So that's why I'm saying that. I I would say again, 50, 50, it would be cool for him to need a second saber and just kind of pull it out and that affect Vader or maybe enrage him. What if it, uh, what if he does use it against Vader, Vader, and it calls back uh, to the Force Awakens when Kylo's like, "That saber belongs to me." Mm-hmm. What if he says that exactly? Right. And then Obi Wan cuts off one of his hands with it. What are the chances that the Inquisitors use their helicopter sabers? to fly look zero zero point zero i'll give it five percent just because like my heart wants to say say zero because i don't like it that's not my favorite part of star Mm -mm. wars or the hella Mm -mm. sabers Mm -mm. one of the least so but in the realm of it's been established and maybe they'd be like well it's established that they can do this i can't give it a full zero but i hope it's zero Mm-mm. i don't like it the taste the smell what nothing are the chances it. that obi-wan runs into lando calrissian zero mm. yeah no yeah no that would be a hell of a surprise it'd that be a hell be a... of a recast required oh I, you buddy have you seen the last two seasons of Star Wars TV? I mean, Recast? Yeah. No, sir. No. No. Yeah. They'll just get that you bring computer in Billy out. D's grandson, and then you just have him speak over the line. Well, honestly, they could do Donald Glover. They could. That would be cool. 
That'd be real cool. I hope I hope that Lando series happens, and I hope we get to see Donald Glover as Lando Dude, again. I would he just deserves like, to be Lando again. Yeah, I would just like to throw that out there into the universe. What are the chances that he runs into Cal Kestis? Ten. Ten, I just think Cal Kestis is going to be a character whose story will be kept to the game series until they tell the story they want to tell in that. Yeah, total, totally probable. The weird thing is today he was in my news feed about how they made his saber legit at Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, He you, was there with that saber. Yeah, you can go the buy the, the saber at Galaxy's Edge. Um, yeah. So... Now, that being said, you know, when you hire an actor and use their life likeness in a video game like that, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I was right? about to say, you always got a, got a pin in it at that point. Uh, I just think, like, if I was the team making that series of video games, I'd be like, come on, guys, can we just tell our story with this guy before y'all start using him and other stuff that we have to account for, even though I yeah. do love when stuff gets interconnected like that. But I mean, to me, the interconnectivity I need in Obi-Wan from Jedi fallen order is the fact that we're seeing like the inquisitor's fortress and you know, stuff like that. So let's see what his next question is. What are the chances that they dedicate an entire episode to Cal Kestis and then the, the, another episode, like Obi-Wan's just standing there and Cal Kestis is in the whole episode? Oh, I know what he's talking I know what he's doing. I'm They're say, not going to Boba Fett us. No, I'm going to say zero because Obi-Wan gets way more respect than Boba Fett. In it. Stop there. Just And Obi-Wan has no lines. I know what you're doing to me, Jim. It's real funny, buddy. Really? That low, huh? Yeah, I know. That would be bananas. Um, and my last question <laughs> is, uh, what are the chances of a Emperor Palpatine a cameo? Oh, I say Palpatine. 75 to 80%. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I think they kind of got to. It's, it's just like I mean, Bale. They got to. Give that man a day's worth of shooting and put him in a robe. Yeah, man. For real. Um, he also, he, he messaged me and said that he forgot to add one of the percentage questions. And that is, what are the chances that they are going to address the Ewan Alec appearance issue? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero percent. Zero. <coughs> I don't want him to. Like, it would bum me out. If let's say, you know, the final episode comes around and um, Vader and Obi-Wan are having their big, you know, rematch of the century and something happens in that fight to make Obi-Wan look old <laughs> and they oh, like, no. and they like do some weird CG, CG mix of Ewan and Alec. And then like, it kind of like 
what happens to Palpatine and Revenge of it the Sith. It was that acid attack from mm-hmm. Vader fight. Yeah. What's even worse is if the very last scene, you know, they wrap up the entire story. Obi-Wan ends up back on Tatooine and then he's looking in the mirror going, man, I'm getting old. Starting to look old. He's pulling out his gray hair or something like that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay, we got a voicemail now from Mr. 100, Kobe. Hey, Haas and Wills, your boy Kobe, a.k.a. Mr. 100. How's it hanging? Hopefully clean, of course. Um, You know it. Got something on my mind. I had a question for you guys based on that. Um, Something I've been thinking about lately. I'm sure a lot of us have. And I think it's been discussed a little bit before, but... um, how there was there was stuff coming out uh, in the last you know couple weeks ago up, up until uh, recently about how the Obi Wan script kind of got retooled and re uh, reimagined a little bit. Things got changed up. I don't know how much was changed in actual just writing or shooting or where, but they're talking about how it kind of changed. How it had a, had a little bit more of a darker tone uh, to it, and they decided to um, polish it up a little bit and make it a little. A little more hopeful, I think, was the word that they used. Um, a little more, I would say, you know, lighthearted. A little uh, more of a fun, not so much fun. I mean, obviously there's going to be dark stuff for sure, but, like, um, they kind of sounded like it was maybe a little too dark. That maybe they wanted to get that kind of hopeful side of it more than just a dark uh, griminess. Um, and it had me kind of thinking... I'm, I'm glad that they did that. I hope it is a. I hope it has its ups and downs. I hope it's. I hope there's good, you know, good times and bad, as as there should be with every show. I hope it's not just a complete, you know, yay, clap your hands and jump up and down, happy. But also, I feel like it can't be too, you know, too dark. I mean, there's kids that want to watch this and stuff, and you can't, you can't make it a little, you can't make it too dark. But um, got me thinking. What do you think um, was in the script, or what do you think? How do you think it was kind of written in a way? that they did kind of have to step back and go, hey, maybe this is a little too dark, or maybe we do want to polish this up a little bit and make it a little more hopeful. Um, What do you think that the script looked like? Um, Personally, I imagine, this is how I like to view it, I don't know why, I don't really have anything to back this up or anything, this is kind of my own, uh, from just kind of my own viewpoint on it. Um, I think that the reason why the um, Inquisitors uh, kind of, come into the presence of obi-wan whether that be on this new planet or on tatooine or whatever obviously we know they make it to tatooine but um i think i think they make it there because there uh there is a jedi on the planet and i think that obi-wan maybe gets paranoid that they're after him but it ends up they're after someone else i know that we you guys have kind of talked about this on the show this kind of premise that there might be another jedi involved but i think the darker part of it i like to imagine was that Obi-Wan is like, it's kind of like the classic, like, town square, someone's about to get stoned scene where, like, you kind of just have to stand by and watch and you can't do anything about it. I imagine it kind of like a Ned Stark scene from uh, Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert, oh, um, obviously. But when they're going to behead Ned Stark and, like, Arya just kind of has to watch from the crowd and can't really say anything or do anything. I imagine it's going to be someone like that. Obi-Wan may not know the, the Jedi or the Force user, um... But I think he's going to know kind of what's going on. I think he's going to want to stop it, but he knows he can't because there's so much riding on the future of him protecting Luke and Leia and, and all that, that he can't get involved. I think that's, I, I just feel like that's going to happen. I don't, I don't know why. Um, that's just my viewpoint on it anyway. 
Um, tell me what you guys think. What do you guys think was the darker part of the script that they kind of had to, to clean up a little bit? As always, you guys are the best. Uh, keep it real. Keep being a positive force on the world and in the world of Star Wars. As always, like I said, you're the best. Keep it real. See you later. Thanks, buddy. Um, so, I don't really know. I don't really know what was so bleak about the original scripts that they felt needed a sense of hope added to them. Because if I were to just venture a guess, I would say probably uber dark beginning and super dark ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably leaned into probably a more realistic representation of what the loneliness, isolation, and depression yeah. uh, that Obi-Wan may be feeling. And uh, who really wants to see that? That's like... That's like a Logan take on it, right? Like, yeah, I think that's probably look, very realistic, but not. I think hope. we're going to get some pretty down and depressed Obi Wan in this because it right. does not seem like he's in a great. Pl- it's you know he is not the Obi Wan we meet in A New Hope yet, right? Um, yeah, but I think you're probably right. I probably focused on that a little too much. Who knows? Maybe they did some weird fucked up thing where like Obi Wan's hooked on spice <laughs> i don't really maybe, think they did that maybe there's a lot of innocent slaughter maybe the space nazis are cracking down everywhere you know it, it may have been evil running hardcore a little a little too strongly yeah because we don't the tough thing is we don't even know the basic premise of what the previous scripts were and how much of that was brought over to this show was it completely rewritten was it uh one of those things where they took the basic premise and then just retooled it and stuff we don't really know it's hard to know without any real specifics the official real specifics we have are they were a little too bleak and we felt like it needed that star wars sense of hope added to it right so right but you know, if you were going to take a guess at it, I think yours is really fucking solid, right? Where it's focused a little too much on uh, hermit in the desert, depressed Obi-Wan. Yeah. Okay, let's jump into some emails. This is from our friend Hannah. Hey, Halls and Will, just popping by, by to say howdy and hope you're both well. I was doom scrolling a few days ago and came upon the social media page for Madame Tussauds in London. Have you ever seen the Star Wars figures they have there? There's no. all the usual suspects, and for some reason they all look so off to me, other than the masked or droid characters. I thought it was funny and worth a quick glance if you haven't seen them. Um, I'm seconding, seconding the sentiment of Kobe from last week. If Dave Filoni has his hands in it, you know it'll fart. It's one of the greatest... <laughs> Blue Harvest lines to date. Take care, both of you, and Jesse to Hannah. Uh, thanks, Hannah. Um, I have seen pictures of that Madame Tussauds. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, Wax Museum. Uh, get up. I gotta say, like, of all the touristy stuff that you could do in any given place. I don't know about a wax museum, man. They never look good. Yeah, I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. I have done the Madame Tussauds. I think at um, 
in New York mm-hmm. and one in Gatlinburg. Maybe the one in Gatlinburg was a Ripley. I think it was a Madame Tussauds. But uh, the thing I – once I saw them all, I was like, they look pretty good. But really, a wax figure only really looks good from one angle. Like I don't know if it's the primary way the, the sculptor does it or reproduces it most faithfully. Because most times they all look a little off and a little funny, but you got to find there's one magic angle where you can see it and you're like, oh, it looks just like him. Nah. But as you walk around that wax structure, you're like, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> Over here, he looks like he's made of play doh. I remember when they announced that uh, Star Wars uh, section in London and seeing pictures of it and being like, oh, that would be awesome to see. Man, and it, look, it's if I were in London, I probably would check it out. Um, even though I'm talking a little shit about it, probably wouldn't I be mean, able to contain myself and go check it out. But I mean, right? But the the sets, like the theming and the sets of it, now that looks cool. The figures, yeah. not so much. But like being able to sit at the table in the cantina with Han Solo, like he's about to shoot you. Okay, now we're talking. Um, Now, let me tell you this. You let me go into a wax museum and see a uh, JCVD Jean-Claude Van Damme wax figure that looks just like the dude. Buddy, I hope you're ready to bail your best friend out of jail for grand theft because I'm stealing that wax figure. He's going to live at my house and he's going to scare people anytime you come over. Oh my goodness! I, um, Wax Museum is like an attraction from the 1700s. <laughs> you yeah, know what but, I mean? like, but in the 1700s, that shit probably would have been a corpse coated in wax. You know what I mean? Probably just like, shellacked ugh. and paraffin, all posed and shit. <laughs> I didn't even realize there was a, a Wax Museum in Gatlinburg because one of my favorite trips Jesse and I ever took was in October of 2019. So, you know, not too far, not too long until COVID. Um, mm-hmm. We went up to Gatlinburg for like a long weekend for our anniversary and stayed at a cabin and did some of the touristy shit in Gatlinburg. And we went mm-hmm. to the aquarium there. I love a goddamn yeah. aquarium. And they had this haunted house. I might have told this story, right? I don't think so. Not that I If you have, it's been a while. And, you know, our, our anniversary is on October, so... Um, it was it was Halloween time, but I, I think a couple of the haunted houses there year round, and I was like, oh, some of the things I want to do. I want to go to the pinball and arcade museum. Uh, I want to go to the haunted house, and I want to go to the aquarium. So we go up to the, like the little window where you get uh, tickets for <laughs> the haunted house, and it became mm-hmm. real sketchy real quick, right? Oh, where. I was like, hey, uh, is your haunted house handicap accessible? And like the two ladies working at the ticket counter look at each other nervously and they're like, um, let me get somebody on the radio. So they get on their walkie talkies and they're trying to find the guy. And the guy comes over and he's like wearing hospital scrubs and he's got like, you know, fake zombie makeup on and stuff. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's an elevator to get you to the second floor. I just got to find the key. And meanwhile, this is all going on. The ladies are, like, about to take payment from me to go in. And they're like, hey, do you want to add um, a light bar 
for a couple of bucks a piece. And I'm like, a light bar? And they're like, yeah, there's no there's no additional lights in there and you're not allowed to use your phone. So it's only the lights we provide and it's really dark. And then, buddy, as soon as they say that and I'm looking at this dude who doesn't know where the key to the handicapped elevator is, as soon as they say that, I'm out. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, no, I don't you think know I want to do this. <laughs> All of a sudden, not interested. Thank I'm you very much, but no thanks. I'm just imagining being in this dark-ass haunted house. People are jumping out and scaring me. You know how jumpy I am. The listeners Indeed. know how jumpy I am. It's pitch black. I'm ramming into people in my wheelchair. I might throw a punch or two. And like so I start getting panicky. And I just go... Um, actually, I think we're good. And then I'm like, oh man, I hope Jesse's not bummed that I don't want to do this. And as soon as we turn and leave, she goes, thank God you told him you didn't want to do it because I didn't want to do it either. Oh my goodness. All right. Next up, we have a email from our buddy Raymond. Hey, Halls. Enjoy the day and hope you guys have a nice upcoming. Oh, this is a birthday wish. Thanks, buddy. Have a nice upcoming celebration in L.A., Wish I could come over, but we are still in the middle of a pandemic here. Well, let me tell you something, buddy. So are we. (laughs) Be safe and stay healthy. And oh, happy birthday. Sign off, Raymond from Hong Kong. Hey, Raymond. Thanks, buddy. Um, I guess I haven't talked about it on the show. I've told a few people. Jesse and I actually decided not to do Celebration this year. Um, Not for any one particular reason. Um, just a lot of different things. Like I have got a bunch of medical bills that I'm working on from all my hospital shit last year. Um, we haven't been on a vacation since celebration in Chicago and, you know, not necessarily don't necessarily know that like a big convention is where we want to go on vacation. You know, Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a bummer to miss everybody. And I know, while it's going on, I'll be like, oh, man, I wish I was hanging out with everybody. But we'll hit up the next one. We yeah. just decided take this this one off. <clears throat> All right. Next up, um, we got an email from Trey. Hey, Halls and Will. My name is Trey. I'm a longtime listener, first-time emailer. Something has been bugging me about the Obi-Wan show, and I'm curious to see your points of view. Are you guys going into the show assuming that Obi-Wan knows that Anakin survived Mustafar? I feel like it would be do a lot better for the show having Obi-Wan not know that Darth Vader is alive at the start of the series, but having him later make the discovery in dramatic fashion. I know the books, comics, shows, games, etc. that take place in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope show that Vader has a pretty big reputation But with Obi-Wan being so remote, maybe he doesn't have access to the news and therefore doesn't know about Vader. So my thought here is that the two engage in a lightsaber fight and maybe Vader makes a couple of remarks about Obi-Wan's age or something in order to explain to Obi-Wan that, hey, you might have known this guy before. But Obi-Wan finally realizes that it's Anakin after the two of them both go in for a force push and lock up like they did in Revenge of the Sith. At this point, Obi-Wan realizes who it is, loses focus, and gets yeeted while Vader stays perfectly still. 
I thought it could look pretty cool and play homage to their fight and Revenge of the Sith. I feel like it could be kind of lame if we came into the show and Obi-Wan already knows that Vader is Anakin. So a scene like that could make that kind of discovery pretty emotional. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you guys think? P.S. I just wanted to thank you guys for such an awesome podcast. I've tried a bunch of other Star Wars podcasts and Blue Harvest was the one that stuck. Keep it up and may the force be with you. Hey, thanks for writing in. Um, so, two things. I definitely line up with Trey in that I think it would be cool to find for Obi-Wan to find out in this show that Anakin survived and is it's more impactful and emotionally weightful to see that realization. Mm-hmm. Now, now, here's the other thing though. If he watched the entire security recording from Palpatine's office, he names him Vader in that scene. In that well, you see in Revenge of the Sith, Obi-Wan hears him referred to as Darth Vader. So right. If, if I don't think it'll be like he described where they meet up and they fight and then all of a sudden he um, realizes that it's Anakin. What I think is somebody is going to say Darth Vader around him, perhaps. Like say that name and it's going to be, that's yeah. when he's going to have the realization. Is then. um but I, I kind I do agree that I, I hope that it's not like just something he knows and that we get to see him have that realization. Cause I would assume if I was Obi-Wan and I left that fucking burnt ass bacon on the, the shore of Mustafar, I'd be like, that dude is dead. Yeah. He fell into the lava cause he couldn't crawl <laughs> up the rest of the. Yeah. Bank. Yeah. Oh. All right. Next up we have an email from Allison. Hello, Halls and Will. After listening to last week's episode and hearing the question asking what band or musician Anakin would listen to, I want to share my answer. I think he would be a fan of My Chemical Romance, especially their second and third album. Three cheers for Sweet Revenge and The Black Parade. Three cheers for Sweet Revenge. That title sounds like something that Anakin would listen to. They're very angsty and absolutely dramatic. Might be biased as they are one of my favorite bands, but I think they fit Anakin's vibe very well. I have a somewhat related question for you guys. One of my favorite concepts in music is when bands do story albums. Do either of you have a favorite story album? It can be any band and any genre. My favorite is The Black Parade. It's definitely on the dark side as it follows a man from death to the afterlife, but it's beautifully done and I will never get tired of hearing the opening piano notes of Welcome to the Black Parade. My girlfriend's favorite story album is Here at the Mayflower by Barry Manilow. It's about the residents of a New York City apartment building, and each song is a different different resident. The track list is really clever and well-crafted. For example, track four is Apartment 2H, Turn the Radio Up, and track five is Apartment 2G, I Hear Her Playing Music. I love the show and look forward to listening each week. It makes my day at my desk job go by so much faster. Have a great day and may the force be with you. Thanks, Allison. Let me take, I'm getting a little hoarse here. Mm. Ah, that's better. 
It's from it's from singing that seal. That's what it is. Um. So, my, one of my all time favorite concept slash story albums is. Oh shit! How can I? It was just on the tip of my tongue. It's a Mastodon album. Um, oh. Uh, why can I not think of the album? Uh, well, so they have Leviathan. Crack in the sky. No, Leviathan. They have Leviathan, which is a really good album, and it's like a retelling of Moby Dick. But the one nice. you're right, it's Crack the Sky. Crack the Sky has a crazy fucking story where it's about this um, paraplegic kid who learns how to astral project so he can experience the world and the universe. And he Mm -hmm. ends up astral projecting himself into Rasputin. Oh my goodness. It's fucking wild. That is wild. Wild. Um, I also like... Um, a couple bands, a couple albums by the band Blind Guardian. They do like fantasy power metal type mm. music, and a lot of their stuff is Tolkien based. Where they'll do, uh, you know, they might have some stuff that covers, you know, your Hobbit or your Lord of the Ring, but they, Lord of the Rings, they like to go like deep cut, you know what I mean, and mm. have stuff about the Similarian and shit like that um and like <clears throat> tool does concept albums right but they don't really do um story albums right they're more concepts they're more albums that that uh each song fits a sort of theme or concept more than tell a story um is warp riders by the sword a story album or is would, that just a concept album? No, I would say that is a story album for sure. Well, then that's that's one of my favorites. I would also say that's one of my favorites. Uh, um, it's just a great story when, you know, the entire album. Um, is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band a story I, album? I would say that is. That's one of my favorites. I'm not sure if uh, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd or Wish You Were Here are story albums. See, um, I would say... The Wall is. I know The Wall is, but it's not one of my favorites. It's not mine either. I like the song The Wall, but like the rest of the songs on that album are just, you know, Another Brick in the Wall is good, but I mean, Mother is good too, but. <clears throat> it may know, be Sacrilege. It may be Pink Floyd Sacrilege, and I know we've got some friends that are big Pink Floyd fans, but it's hard not to pick a side when there's like a splintering of band and it's clear mm-hmm. that it was like two two dudes that butted heads and in yeah. the Pink Floyd feud I am 100% a David Gilmore guy. Yeah, right. I went with Gilmore in the divorce as well. If if I was given the chance to either see um Roger Waters or David Gilmore in concert 100% of the time every time I would go see David Gilmore. David That's Gilmore is at the tippy toppy of my <laughs> concert bucket list, and I think it might be one that goes unfulfilled, unfortunately. That's what happens when the <laughs> Giants are so old at our age. Yep. All right, 
We got one. I can't for, think of any other story albums right off the top of my head. I mean, I've thought about the ones that are most important to me. I think that's. I think that's it. We got a couple more emails. This one's from Daniel. Hey, Halls and Will. I haven't emailed the program before. Oh, I like that makes us sound fucking fancy. The program. But I've listened for a while now, and I thought it would be fun to share a little Star Wars moment with you guys. So back in 2019, I was gifted tickets to go see Star Wars A New Hope and concert. It was an amazing experience watching the entire movie with John Williams' score being played by the Charlotte Symphony Orchestra live right underneath the screen. In fact, oh, wow. I think it was... I just got your text. I know you texted me. I know you texted me, but I literally, po- it, it said here and then you were there. <sighs> she got you. She did. In fact, I think it was the first time I had ever seen an original trilogy movie on the big screen. It was early ni- 2019, so the, two, the Last Jedi I Hate was going strong. Um, the Last Jedi is my second favorite behind A New Hope, and my personal life was not in a great place at the time either. Going to see A New Hope in this format really lifted my spirits from both a Star Wars perspective and a general life perspective. That feeling of hope reminded me just how impactful a silly movie about space lasers can be. Well, on March 19th, I got to see Empire in the same format, and if I wasn't emotional before, I sure was this time. It sort of compounded with all that had happened to the world and to me in the intermittent period. Also, I'm a huge Darth Vader fan, and the Imperial March gets a lot of play in Empire, so I was like, super excited about that. The reason I may, <clears throat> the reason I emailed you guys was because not long ago, I listened to a podcast where you're talking about Yoda's speech, where he talks to Luke about the Force, the luminous beings bit. I couldn't help but think of what you said about that meaning to you, Halls, when the scene happened in the performance. That moment with him talking to Luke and lifting the X-Wing really connected with me, especially the way the force theme swelled emotionally from the extremely talented orchestra. It was absolutely amazing, and I'm lucky to have experienced it a second time. Anyways, just a little Star Wars story for for you. You guys are great podcasters, and I always save your shows for when I work out. You're both so positive in your coverage of Star Wars, but when you don't like something, you don't sugarcoat it either. I love how you guys keep it real and build a great community of fans around you. Thanks for the excellent podcast. Keep it clean, and may the force be with you, Daniel S. Look, my man ain't even 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 emailed in, and he's getting in on the keep it clean memes. Mm, mm. Man, I'm jealous. Uh, we have some of the best listeners. I think so too, man. I'm of you know we're we're quickly approaching doing seven years of this podcast, and the thing obviously. I'm really pr- proud of both of our commitment to that and sticking with it and absolutely continuing to have fun with it. But I think the thing I'm most um, I'm proud of is our little Blue Harvest community of our friends and listeners. That shit is real cool. Absolutely. I hear you. <laughs> and man, am I jealous. I would love to see a live orchestra uh, play along to one of the Star Wars movies. It's just something I've never been able to do, but it sounds It rad. sounds fucking magical. And then every time I see one of our LA friends go to see uh John Williams at the Hollywood Bowl, mm-hmm. you motherfuckers getting to see John Williams cuz you know, it's not just Star Wars. He does all the hits. <laughs> yeah, he does all my favorites. All right, we got one more email and then we'll call it a night. This is from Sam. 
Howdy, Halls and Will. I hope you fellas had a great week. Halls, I hope you had a great birthday, and I love sharing a birthday with the Beard of Knowledge. Hey, hey, hey. That's awesome, buddy. Happy birthday to you. Did you get anything cool for your birthday? Uh, so on my birthday, I got myself the gift of Blue Harvest Patronage. 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 <clears throat> we were doing good. And I've been listening to Blue Harvest Adventures this week. I'm a huge fan of the show so far. If you had a movie adaptation made of the show, who would direct the movie and who would play the respective characters in the adaptation? Or would you guys want to play your characters? I love it and I wish I had friends that would do something like that. Anyways, thanks as always and keep up the awesome work. Best wishes, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Ooh, man. If they were to do, so I, I'll tell you this right now, I would not want to play my character in the Blue Harvest Adventures movie just because that would be no good. I am Why? not an actor. I'm not an actor. Well, I don't know. You say that. Once you shrug off the jitters, you can be pretty hammy. You were quite the ham when I met you. That was booze. <laughs> that was booze. You had liquid courage for days. I sure did. And somehow still, still massively self-conscious. So much now <laughs> now that, the, that I don't drink like that, all that remains is the self-conscious part. <laughs> <laughs> the self-conscious part is there, just not the boozy part. Um, so when I came up with my character for Blue Harvest Adventures, I, um, my pitch was Space Danny McBride. Uh, so that's how I played that character, and that's kind of who I would envision playing my character. Who do you see for your character, Will? Oh, man. Um, somebody young and cocksure, like real confident in their abilities. Maybe too much so. Hmm. Mm, I'm having a hard time placing an actor. Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. He is not the young. <laughs> Neither is Danny McBride, but that's all right. That's true. Judd Nelson. Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> oh. Uh. Hmm, Mark Harmon. <laughs> Mark Mark Harmon <laughs> Meredith Baxter Bernie <laughs> Oh I'm sitting here trying to think of directors Um Brian Kevin Johnson. Smith all oh, day That would be cool That would Blue Horse cool. Adventures directed by Kevin Smith Yeah Take my money. He doesn't necessarily have the eye for action scenes, but... The comedy. What, the comedy is what's important. I would be pretty stoked with that. Be pretty stoked with that. Um, I don't know who would play everybody else's characters. I kind of feel that's like something that no. the player has to pick, right? Um, yeah. It's interesting that Sam brought up blue harvest adventures this week i was actually talking to our buddy robbo about it just a couple days ago <clears throat> um it's something i'd like to uh to start back up at some point that show takes a lot 
of coordination. Juggling chainsaws. It takes a lot of coordination, and then the amount of work our buddy Robbo has to put into that show between writing and all the producing and Mm -hmm. stuff, that's that's a lot. And then it it is no coincidence that we uh, stopped being able to record that show consistently when uh, 2020 happened. That Years def- ago. That definitely made things much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to do it. I love, I loved doing it. And if we can find a way to make it happen again, I think we will. The question is, do we pick up where we left off or do we start a new one? You know what be, might be kind of fun is uh, let you DM, buddy, and have Robbo be a player. That'd be cool. We could start over and we could try, we could be the rescue party sent to rescue the first party. Oh, that's not a half bad. Hey, spoilers. That's all we'll (laughs) say. We won't get too deep into it because our buddy Sam just started. Um, That's going to do it for us this week, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for recording with me, buddy. It's always a pleasure. I love it. Makes my day. Makes my week. Me too, man. It's always... Always nice to just get to talk to my buddy Will for a little bit. Yep. Just uh, Let even it if all hang out for a minute. Even if it's not just, a, or even if it is just about Star Wars. Yeah. Um, hey guys, if you haven't already, please leave us five star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. It helps other people how find the podcast. And then what happens is other people are like, "Oh, you know what? I." I bet you there's Star Wars podcasts. I'm going to type Star Wars. And then, you know, the more reviews we have, the closer we are over the top. And then they listen. And what happens is one of two things. Either they listen, they either listen and they get it. And they're like, fuck, that's cool. And then boom, we got another cool ass member of the Blue Harvest community. Or they listen and they're like, this shit sucks. And in that case... Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> but hopefully you're like that listener from earlier in the episode where he said, uh, listen to a lot of Star Wars podcasts and this is the one that stuck. Hopefully that's you and uh, leaving us a review on iTunes helps other people get to that point where yeah. hopefully that's us too, where or, you find other Star Wars podcasts, but maybe ours is the one that sticks. So if you have time, Try to leave a review and help lead other Star Wars podcast fans to our little Star Wars podcast. Or, even better, what happens is they listen, it sticks, then they hear us recommend all our buddies' podcasts and that we shout out <coughs> throughout 341 episodes. They listen to them, and then they're fucking into them, and then you know what? They're never lacking in Star Wars or cool podcasts to listen to ever again. Everybody's cool happy. Star Wars podcasting abounds. If you like our theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are Stoned Cobra, and you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. If you're in the video games, check out mine and our buddy Steve's video game podcast, High Potion. New episodes every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts. And I have to tell you, if you like video games and you want to listen to a video game podcast, there are no 
two more experienced and knowledgeable dudes. You and Steve know your fucking shit up one side and down the other when it comes to video games. And uh, I just give credit where credit is due. You guys are Thanks, are buddy. quite the wealth of knowledge and, and professionalism when it comes to the video games. Appreciate that, man. So we'll see you guys next week. Um, who knows what the future holds? Who knows what tantalizing and titillating tidbits of tertiary Star Wars stuff happens. Until then, <laughs> this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Hall's Burkhart. And I'm Will with. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.